microphone. I know, I know. <laughs> wow. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, uh, listeners, you, you, I, we spared you guys. We were just arguing for like the first minute and a half of this episode. Because you count too Listen. fast and don't let us get ready to clap. Everybody get ready to clap. Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. All right, guys, get ready. Three, two, one. It's not that fast. She's like, oh, uh, uh, why weren't you ready? Why? I think after, like, what is this, episode right, 66, CC, 67? Leave the, clap, leave the clap in and we'll see. <laughs> All right, well... <laughs> Welcome, listener, to the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm done with these two. <laughs> A minute in and... All right. You guys, what are we talking about today? Haunted objects. Haunted yeah. objects. This topic was submitted to us by my dear friend, Amy F. in Louisville. You guys, is there anything y'all want to talk about before we get to our icebreaker? Uh, um, no, no. <laughs> All right. So then, I guess it's oh, here a little factoid. Oh. Since I don't think any of us are going to go in on this. Okay. Did you know that the Annabelle doll is real, but uh-huh. it's actually a Raggedy Ann doll? I did know that. You know, I have heard that. Really? Yes. I had, blew my mind. I found that out today. I think Amy sent me a picture of it. Yeah. Bleh. So pretty interesting. I don't like it. I've never seen Annabelle, and I'm not going to. Uh, I <laughs> like that video, though. There was that video that came out a while ago of the guy saying, Welcome to Chili's. Oh, Remember yeah. That? Yeah. The Annabelle turns. Turns her turns head. the camera. All right, you guys. It's um, really funny. So, Icebreaker. Okay. What was your favorite childhood toy? Oh. Wow. I thought mm-hmm. of one, you guys. Okay, okay, you go ahead and go, because I mm, that'd be tough. You know, I had a lot of toys that I just absolutely loved, but I had a doll. I had a couple of like teddy bears because I really liked teddy bears. I think that my my AOL screen name was Teddy Bear Lover L U V E R. I was wow, that takes on more simpler times. Yeah, twenty. Oh man, I know. Yeah, but. I had a teddy bear that was gifted to me when I got my tonsils removed, and it was just this little brown teddy bear, and I named it Janice. That's cute. And I carried it around with me everywhere. God knows Mm. where Janice is now. Oh, I guess you didn't carry it with you everywhere. No. It was like Toy Story, that sad ending in Toy Story where you you grow out of your toys, Mm -hmm. and then you gift them to someone else. I hope that Janice is somewhere out there. I like how you just spoil the end of a Toy Story movie. Everybody's seen it. (laughs) It's been out for years. What's your favorite toy, James? Um, you know, it's very similar, actually. When I was little, I had a plush frog named Fred, and I carried that fellow with me everywhere. And technically, he is still in my parents' attic, as far as I know. Ooh, I wonder what would happen if you went and got him out. Oh, part of his soul in it. Yeah, goodness. James, you should get him and take a picture so we can post it on the 13th Floor Podcast Uh, Instagram page. Maybe. Uh Alex, what about you? You know, I don't remember a toy that I just, like, had to hold on to all the time. My parents could probably tell you one, but I can't think of one. But I could, t- I could tell you a toy that I always thought was hilarious when I was little. Oh, Lord. Yeah. My, parents went on a, <laughs> my parents went on a trip to St. Thomas Island, and they brought me back this teddy bear. And when you squeezed it, it would fart. 
(laughs) (laughs) And it had this little piece of rubber dangling out the back. I was pooping it, I guess. I mean, that's not... I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a a whoopee cushion cushion bear, yeah. I know. I I, I swear to God, I think we had one in my family, actually. Wasn't mine. Yeah, but you didn't have to blow it up, but you could could just squeeze it and... It and was it a wind. It was a beautiful thing. Ooh. Lovely. Yeah. That's that sounds like an Alex toy yeah. if I've ever heard. He wore a red shirt. It was wonderful. Did you name him? I probably did. I named all my toys. But <laughs> I don't remember the name. It's just Fart Bear. We'll just call it Fart Bear for now. Alex, thank you for opening up and sharing that little piece of information with us. I know yeah. sometimes you like to build up walls around yourself. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. I think we're ready to hop on into the topic and. Yeah. Sir James is going to start us off this week. Yeah. James, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Busby's chair. And if there's time, a bonus thing as well. But uh, Busby's chair is something that I've always been kind of interested in. It's also called the dead man's chair. And yeah, there was uh, this murderer named Thomas Busby. And in 1702 in North Yorkshire, he was hung to death. Because he was a murderer. <laughs> so, yeah. As you do. Yeah, exactly. He he actually killed his uh, father-in-law. Ooh. Yeah, well, I mean, the, neither of these guys were nice. This wasn't like, you know, you know, I don't want you around my daughter or anything. This was he and uh, Busby, they were, they were fake making coins. They were counterfeiting coins. And they were doing a bunch of other stuff, too. And they got into an argument about their criminal enterprise, <laughs> probably over percentages <laughs> or something. And Busby killed. Uh, his father-in-law. So, hmm. they they arrested him and sentenced him to death. Well, apparently, like, when they were arresting him, according to, you know, third-rate sources, he cursed the chair that he had. Because uh, what they do hmm. is, is they, they, they take you to, to be executed and you, you stand you on it. yelled obscenities at a chair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, legit. That's pretty much the deal. <laughs> so... <laughs> that in and of itself is like not that interesting, but one of the reasons why the chair has this association with it is the actual place where he was hanged was a crossroads. And you guys know how crossroads are associated with scary stuff anyway. Well, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of ghost sightings at that crossroads. Most people claim that it's Busby himself. So that's such a creepy name too, Busby. right? Yeah, yeah, Busby. It does. It doesn't sound real. It actually sounds like a stuffed animal. It, it, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, much later on, uh, like in the seventies, there were um, a lot of fatal accidents associated with the chair. Like just just a bunch, a series of reputed accidents from people who sat in the chair. People would sit in the chair, and then they would die sometime later, like flipping uh, uh, Final Destination. And even in uh, World War II, there were these Canadian dudes based in in Britain, and they went to that pub where, you know, the murder took place and where the chair still is, and they never came back from their their mission. So there's just been a lot of instances where people go to that pub, they sit in that chair, and then something happens, to the point that they finally just put it in a, a museum. They were like, we're we're not keeping this. And the creepy thing about it, I mean, it's it's like they clearly wanted people not to sit in it. They decided to hang uh-huh. it from the ceiling of the museum. Uh. So that just adds <laughs> like a spooky element to it. Right. Yeah. 
And uh, one odd thing about it is that the chairs actually, <laughs> this is, this is like the red flag here. It's like, well, are you sure this is, this either makes it very spooky or complete BS back, back when uh, Busby was, was knocking around, people actually used pole lathes to make chairs. That was, that was the technology at the time. Well, some furniture guy, I guess the dude from Flippin' Antiques Roadshow or whatever, uh, somebody with a lot of knowledge about chairs, they <laughs> tested the chair and they said, this chair wasn't made by Pole This was made by a machine. So that would mean it's over a century younger than the guy who presumably cursed it. So it's Ooh. either complete BS or Buxby, Busby had like a magic chair from the future. <laughs> 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 and uh the reason why i'm interested in busby's chair the reason why i got wanted to analyze it was largely because one it was on unsolved mysteries which was such a cool oh. show it was also on beyond belief and lastly and this this is the funniest reference to it um i bet you haven't seen this alex is hatalia have you seen hatalia no that weird anime about italy and germany like during world war ii it's really weird uh, no, <laughs> it's a funny, it's a funny show, and they have Busby's chair like pop up at random in the show. Oh, it's it's a very oh. weird thing, yeah. But where, where is Busby's chair now? Right now, it is in said museum, hanging from the ceiling. What museum is it? Um, it is at the Thirsk Museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that one. That one. <laughs> yeah, you know everybody knows the Thirsk Museum. You know in North Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you, there? you guys. When we go on our world tour, we'll have to go and see it. Yeah, but uh, not sit fun. in it because that's a no-no. Yeah, and since since Busby's chair is not a very lengthy topic, I would also like to talk about another one, and that is a painting by Bill Stoneham called. I'm I'm trying to be as dramatic as possible. The hands <laughs> resist him. First of all, the let's hands resist, resist him. him. First of all, yeah, let's let's appreciate for a moment how creepy that effing name is of a painting. It's pretty creepy. It's doubly creepy when you look at the painting. Uh, and here's the thing: I like like this. This took me down a rabbit hole. I like Bill Stoneham's paintings. They are all scary. Every single thing this guy paints is creepy AF. I, I ugh, it's so weird. We're looking it up now. Yeah, hi- highly recommend it. Like everybody listening who's not driving right now. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Right. So. No, I yeah. do not like this picture. Now, one thing: if you look at a lot of of Bill Stoneham's stuff, there's oftentimes wires and dolls and just inhuman figures in on a lot of his paintings. They're really interesting in that sense. And he also says that this is based on his own childhood, which makes it doubly effing scary. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's a super creepy painting. But anyway, it uh, it got purchased by John Marley, the dude in The Godfather that wakes up next to the horse's head. You know, like oh, a man yeah. in my position can't afford to be made ridiculous. That guy, um, <laughs> he bought it. No complaints from him. No complaints from him. But then he sells the painting, and the art critic who initially uh, sold it died, and then the gallery owner died, and then John Marley died, <laughs> the actor, and then the painting was just lost. Nobody knew what happened the, because everybody associated with it 
uh, after it was painted, Flippin died, excluding, of course, uh, Bill. So it pops up and this family and they have a four year old daughter, which, you know, I mean, that's that's how it goes. You know, you got your four year old daughter. You you go out buying art. You find something straight out of hell itself. And you say, let's put this in the house with our four year old. And and that's exactly what they did. And to the surprise of absolutely no sane person, the four-year-old starts complaining <laughs> about the painting. <laughs> uh, she said that the the figures at night would move on the painting and uh, that they would actually leave the painting and, and frighten her, do scary things to her, uh-uh. that they would go into her room. So this was scaring the child. Now, here's the thing. She's four, and four-year-olds get scared by things. So they did what also any parent would do who buys a painting like this, they thought, you know what, instead of putting up a garage sale or, or just burning this effing thing, how about we just set up a motion sensing camera in the room? <laughs> so they did. And it captured the boy in the picture leaving the picture. So people were freaked out, understandably, by this. And they decided they would auction it. Now, this makes me a little suspicious. It's like, okay, so you found proof that this thing's evil and you decided to auction the evil, scary painting. What a way to make value out of something, right? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, like 30,000 people checked uh, on that auction. Like, the, the, they got a lot of tags. <laughs> but it only sold for a grand to some fella in Michigan who, no, no joke, will not sell it and is keeping it in storage. <laughs> <laughs> so so he's, even he's not willing to live with it. And wow. yeah, and this is, I, I think it's interesting. Again, I like Stoneham's paintings. They're scary. I would never own one, I don't think, because they are all scary. But presumably his, uh, his wife at the time, she wrote a poem that says, the hands resist him like the secret of his birth. And that's that's the origin of the, the name of it, which that's a creepy effing poem too. So creepy artist marries creepy poet. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's hmm. nice. But a lot of his artwork is sort of based on this idea of the line. The, uh, again, it's, you know, we talk about liminality a lot. The liminality between fantasy and dreams and, and, and you know, conscious thought and then real life, the real world. And you see that a lot in his paintings. But this one is, is a lot more literal because you actually have a barrier visible. You have that glass between mm-hmm. uh, the unreal and the real. But boy, is it creepy. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's the funny thing. It show, it's a great example to me that there's no – we often romanticize old things as possibly haunted or supernatural. But we, we roll our eyes at something that's more modern. Busby's chair is old, but I'm very skeptical. Whereas this painting, I really like, if, if you ask me which of the two are haunted, if, if only one of them was haunted or cursed, hands down, the 1970s painting, not the not the 17th <laughs> century or 18th century effing chair. Yeah. So There's yeah. something about that painting that yeah. just makes it's me creepy. very yeah. uncomfortable. And it's, it's not just that it's creepy subject matter, because there's lots of creepy paintings. There is just something oh, yeah. inherently unsettling. Uh you know what I think it might be? Yeah, I think that the sure. fingers are reminiscent of teeth. I think that's what makes it so eerie. But, huh. yeah, that's it for me, though. Man. Well, James, my topic wasn't that frightening. <laughs> but now I know I won't sleep tonight. 
All right, let me pull up <laughs> my notes. Because I'm going next, you guys. Okay, are you guys ready? I'm ready. All right. My haunted object is nuts, though, you guys. And I have seen it in person on our honeymoon. Right, sweetheart? Yes. Yes, on our honeymoon. So romantic. But I'm talking about the Robert doll. The Robert doll. (laughs) He's scary as all get out. But Robert lives in sunny Key West, Florida, inside an old military fort. His powers are so strong, they have to contain him inside an old <laughs> military fort. Mm-hmm. JK, I don't know why he's actually there. But <laughs> if you've never seen Robert the doll, look him up if you're not driving, if you're in a safe place and can, can look on your computer or phone. But he's, it looks like he's made of foam, but he's made of cloth and some sources say he's got straw stuffed inside him. Mm. Nice. And he's wearing... The dog is shaking. He he's wearing a little sailor outfit, but as with most haunted objects, he comes with a frightening backstory. <laughs> so I'm gonna share with you. So let me set up the scene, you guys. Okay, the year is 1904. Maybe, possibly, who knows? I saw a lot of varying accounts on this. <laughs> so it was the early 1900s. If it was 1904, the world was just minding its own business, marveling. Over New York City's brand new subway. Wow. Yeah, that opened in 1904. And also, they were ringing in the new year at the first Times Square New Year celebration. Oh. There was no ball drop that year, though. They didn't start until 1907. But anyways, Key West. They were in some for some mm-hmm. pretty frightening stuff that year. A little boy named Robert Eugene Otto, a.k.a. Gene, was gifted a creepy doll which he named Robert after himself, apparently. And then he started going by Gene. Hmm. Uh, but who gifted Robert to Gene is difficult to kind of pin down. I read lots of different theories across different websites. And some say that Gene's grandfather picked up the doll while on business in Germany. And the doll was made in Germany. Hmm. But the most common claim is that Robert was given to Gene by a bohemian family. Bohemian. It's who- funny, Cece, you're bohemian. Bohemians originate from... No, uh, bah- bah- uh, no they're from ba- the Bahamas, so Bahamian. Oh, I'm sorry. Ah. I'm sorry. How dare you, James? Uh. I pronounced something right for once. <laughs> Bahamian. <laughs> Bahamian. Bahamian family. <laughs> he sounded sound like he had just put a curse on somebody. I know it does. <laughs> but this, this maid, apparently the family did not treat her with much kindness, and so some believe that she made the doll herself and then cursed it with voodoo. Oh. Yeah. Mm. But Jean apparently loved Robert. It was like his best friend. And the doll had this weird kind of hold on Jean. Like he was fixated on it at all times. Mm. Couldn't go anywhere without it. But Jean's family and the housekeepers started to get a little weirded out by some of the odd activity that started occurring around the house after Robert arrived. They would apparently hear Gene playing in other rooms and talking with Robert, but they would hear two different distinct voices, hmm. which, I mean, our daughter does that. Yeah, she does all kinds of voices. She's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. But when she's playing with dolls, she'll make different voices for different dolls. But hmm. more worrisome, though, Gene would wake up in the middle of the night some nights, flipping the heck out and screaming. Parents would run in to see what was wrong, and then they would find all the furniture in his room just completely upturned. Hmm. Overturned, and there would be Robert sitting at the foot of the bed, 
looking at little Jean and smiling. <laughs> but that's a little harder to explain, right? Because some of the furniture the 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 boy probably wouldn't have been able to overturn, mm-hmm. depending upon how heavy it was. Jean would blame all of the activity on Robert, and he'd say, "Robert did it. Robert did it." <laughs> Which, yeah, Alex and I heard. I'm going to talk about that in a little while, but. Legend has it that people would see Robert physically speak, like his mouth and face would move, which I don't like that. (laughs) Uh, Lots of reports that the doll would audibly laugh, so you could hear a little giggling around the house. If I had a doll like that, I would tie a brick to its foot and throw it in the ocean. I'd burn it. Mm. I would. Watch it. Watch it burn. You do that, you get it free. Yeah, Alex. (laughs) Be careful. Okay. I'll tie him to the to a ship. <laughs> well, eventually, Jean's parents got tired of the doll and all of its mischievous behavior, so they put it in the attic where it stayed for a very long time until Jean's parents passed away. At this point, Jean inherited the house, and he went in the attic one day, and he's probably like, oh my goodness, I forgot about this doll. <laughs> and then I picture his eyes changing to black for a moment. Ooh. As the doll possesses his mind, and then, you know, they return to normal, and then he walks around, and he's just like, hey, guys, it's me, Gene, but really, it's Robert. <laughs> that did not actually happen. That's just what I pictured in my brain. Oh, wow. Yeah, but by this point, Gene was all grown up, and he was married, and he'd become an artist, and his house that he lived in is now called the Artist House. It's a very prominent, famous house in Key West that you can go and visit. But rumor has it that Gene would sit and paint with his little buddy doll by his side and his wife, Annette, was like, "Mm mm-mm, I don't like this. (laughs) She was like, listen, you cannot bring your your doll to Shoney's with us for dinner, Gene. (laughs) Shoney's. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Like, she just got tired of how obsessed he was with this doll. And legend has it that Annette later died of insanity because she tried to put uh, Robert back in the attic mm. inside a cedar chest. But mm. that's just kind of like a legend. Nobody really knows if that actually happened. Mm. But they do say that when Gene passed away, he died with Robert by his side. And he also put it in his will that Robert needed to remain at the artist's house after his death. Did you know that the, the autopsy found two knit hands impressions around his throat? <laughs> <laughs> Well, eventually another family moved into the home (laughs) and there was said to be a little girl that found Robert, but Robert apparently tried to kill her. So the story goes, I don't really believe that at all. But the family donated Robert to the Fort East Martello Museum, which is where he sits most of the time to this day. And I say most of the time for two reasons, you guys. One, he will occasionally travel to different exhibits and stuff. Uh So... You could find him elsewhere. Does he need assistance or does he just go himself? He probably just hops on a plane by himself. (laughs) Uh, Two. So he's sitting inside this little glass box inside the museum. And the museum claims that sometimes he'll come into work in the morning and he'll be knocked out of his chair or he'll be in a different position inside his little box. Mm -hmm. This is like SCP stuff, man. This is wild. What does that mean? I knew you'd ask that, Alex. No, I don't know. SCP. What? You really? Oh, what? SCP Foundation? That no. creepy pasta? You're going to have to explain. Okay, okay. SCP is a fictional box. or Oh, I hate. Oh, oh, my God. I can't believe it, Alex. I can't believe it, Alex. Um, SCP Foundation, it's this fictional organization. It's this creepy pasta thing that they, they store these anomalies, objects that, that will mess you up. 
in other words. And there's a really scary video game about it. Oh my god, you got to check it out, Alex. You got to check it out, Alex. Mm. Yeah, SCP Unity. Lawyers, if you play video games, you should look it up too. Yeah. What is it? What is it, James? SCP. What's the game? Was the game called SCP? SCP Unity. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's called, baby. Never heard of it. Well, oh, Alex man. and I have seen Robert before in the flash. We saw him. On our honeymoon, we decided to take a ghost tour of Key West because it's supposedly hella haunted. And the tour we went on offered this little offered by this little company called Ghosts and Gravestones. That's the one that we mm-hmm. went on. So you get in this little trolley and they drive you around town and they show you all the haunted sites, including the artist house, which they, they go over that story. But then at the very end of the tour, they take you to the East, the Fort East Martello Museum, and you can see Robert. But while you're driving around town, they also play like little sound effects, and so they'll uh, they'll play little sound effects. Like, Robert did it. Robert did it. It's really <laughs> creepy, but it's also hilarious. So sometimes yeah, they make it pretty funny. Yeah. Too. But uh, Robert, he's in this little cold, dark room with light shining on his little display, and you can take pictures of him. But you have to ask his permission. If you take a picture of him without asking permission, he'll he'll mess you up. Apparently, mm-hmm. he'll yeah. play pranks on you, and he'll play pranks on you. You'll have um, bad luck. He might break your camera or your cell phone mm-hmm. mid snap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Alex took pictures of him, much to my dismay. I'm I like, did. don't get I've near got it. Picks. He's got pics. Oh. But I kept a good socially distant six plus feet away. How that entire out for time. You? Well, I'll tell you how it worked out for me, baby. But the, I kept thinking the last thing I need is to be cursed on my honeymoon. <laughs> Uh, but all all of the walls <laughs> surrounding Robert, there are tons of handwritten letters that people send to the museum apologizing to Robert because they disrespected him and then they had planks played on them. So oh. some people will send their apologies to Robert to get the, the curse lifted. But while I kept my distance from Robert, Alex was right up on his little his little <laughs> case. And I think Alex pissed him off and I was the one who had to pay for it. While we were sitting by the pool the next day at our hotel, my favorite pair of sunglasses boop, vanished into thin air. It just straight up disappeared. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. On the ghost tour, the guide told us that people will randomly notice things go missing and that Robert will take them. And so I was just like, oh, great. But not 24 hours later, you guys, my favorite glasses were gone. Now, did Robert take them? Probably not. <laughs> it's probably someone with sticky fingers at our hotel, but Robert may have taken them. Hmm. Who knows? Yeah, I like how you blame me, but it happened to you and had no effect on me. Yeah, well, that's that's the type of prankster that Robert is. <laughs> <laughs> but is Robert actually haunted? Who knows? Oh. I did come across a very nice blog called hauntedplacesblog.wordpress.com. I don't know if it's still active or not, but it shared the story of Robert. The author laid out some theories that might explain everything. They say it's possible that the little boy, Gene, may have had some type of issue and the family didn't want that coming out. And what better way to cover something up like that than blaming it on an alleged voodoo practicing maid? Uh So that could be a possibility. Another possibility is they just want to keep the tourism alive. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a good reason. Mm. If you're ever in Key West, I do highly recommend the Ghosts and Gravestones tour. It was really fun. I think it's like $35 a person or something. It wasn't very much. No. But also, you could stay at the artist's house inside the turret room, which is where Gene used to paint with little Robert. 
And I'm not sure on the pricing. I tried to look it up online, but you can't just pick what room you want to stay at at the artist house. Like you have to say what days you're available. These are the rooms that are available. And this is how much it costs. But the other rooms were 200 to 250 a night. If you guys want to look into that, you can. But I know I'm not staying there anytime soon. No, thank you, Robert. No, thank you, Robert. But that is the story of Robert the dog. Yeah. And Alex, what are you talking about today? Because this, you guys, like no. listeners, this is a mystery to me and James because Alex, is, he's gone back onto his I'm not telling anybody what I'm talking about. I like to treat everybody. And James sent me an eye roll emoji when I mentioned it. So Alex, is he's, he's doing this out of spite, James, yeah. because you sent him <laughs> an eye roll emoji. Yeah. And now I'll never tell you <laughs> what my topic is. Oh, well. So we've talked about your creepy doll. Yeah. And of the, you know, some of the rules that you have to have with Robert, you know, show show him respect, be nice to him. Yeah. Or you get to, you get got. Yeah, right? yes. I, so, I did. You get got. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about the haunted doll black market. It's a haunted doll black market? Well, it's not really a black market. It's more of like two websites. Called eBay and Etsy, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but both sites actually have several individuals who sell alleged haunted items. No. Usually, about the dolls go for about fifty bucks, but oftentimes they go a couple hundred bucks. And there was one even sold for fifty six hundred dollars. How do you verify whether or not something like? is haunted from some stranger on the internet. I literally wrote in my notes, you're probably thinking, how do we know an object is haunted? (laughs) It is word for word when he wrote. Well, I found this interview that Vox did with an Etsy shop owner, uh, Cat Blowers. Cat Blowers. (laughs) And her shop's name is Fugitive Cat Creations. I like that shop name. Yeah. So she says... That, you know, obviously there's a lot of people trying to take advantage of uneducated buyers. Uh, that's another but thing. Who would want to buy a haunted object? A types? lot of the... Okay, like, that's actually another question I have later on. Okay. <laughs> so you're, you're asking all the right questions, Cece. Uh, so, she said a lot of the haunted item purveyors hold themselves to what she believes is a high ethical and scientific standard. So, okay, what's, what's, what is the standard? Right. What 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 is the process in ensuring that a precious deli- uh, haunted object is delivered to your house? Yeah. <laughs> well, she says it costs a fortune in tools, but whenever she buys a new doll, her and her husband put it through what she says is an intense investigation that lasts one to three months. That's a long time. Mm. Yeah. So first, the first step: the doll is separated from all the other paranormal objects in the house. Then, it is examined with a K2 EMF meter. A device that you've probably seen in many movies or TV yeah. shows or whatever. It detects electromagnetic electromagnetic energy. So, is it like one of those things that we use when we are on our yes. ghost tour where you hold it up and it changes colors? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, they did it for a period of... They do that for a period of three to five days. And then, they put it in a soundproof box. With a recorder, so that they can hear any words or phrases being said by the, by the doll. <laughs> and she, she said, quote, we've heard music before. 
which is really weird. <laughs> oh, how, okay. How long do they keep it in the box for? Because like that's a lot of audio that you would have to listen to if it's in there for like a month. <laughs> Just listening to nothing. Well, actually, think about how you edit our podcast, right? That's true. That's true. You can, you can just look at the, you just look at the satellite. You're right. So they keep it in there, and then the final step is the lucid dreaming sessions, hmm? which involves them sleeping. <laughs> This is what you saw me giggling to myself about sleeping. Which involved them sleeping next to the doll alongside a piece of amethyst. 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 Which is supposed to be, I guess, a lucid dreaming crystal. I didn't I know, know that. So, yeah. So they do this to see if they have any weird dreams, which is usually I saw reports of like these dolls can help you see a future loved one. Or give you like kind of some creepy dreams, <laughs> depending on what kind of spirit is attached to it. Well, what if you just have creepy dreams naturally? How do you know that mm. the dream is being cast from the doll? Because the doll tells you in the dream, Cece. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Blowers. 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 It could be blowers. It's probably blowers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, cat. Um. So. Uh, they said that they have a 15-page report done by the end of each investigation that chronicles the hauntedness of this of this thing and its story and everything else that they've been able to extract from their investigation of these. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty intense process. Yeah, and another guy named Kevin Kane who owns this like shop of ha- of haunted oddities in Alabama. He said that, you know, obviously not all these objects are evil. And he says, yes, this is a quote. Yes, there are demons. And Annabelle is an example, number one of that. But also, there's good spirits. If a ghost can haunt a house or a building or a ship, why can't it just hang around an item at one's own or reminds them of something in their past? Which is a good argument for a ghost hanging around. But, uh... He seems to think that, see, my problem with him and Kat is that both of them are making money off of these things. So it only benefits them to say these types of things. But he says that he's even had someone call him with something they bought online and it had a, they were told it was passive, like a kind of a nice one. And it turned out to be angry and. Kind of, they said they felt like little hands on their throat. No. Oh, yeah. So, mm. and he said that he's trained in, I guess, suppressing these spirits. So, he put he he took this doll, put it in a box, put it in the holy water, and put it in the top shelf of his house. For how long? Is it just sitting no, there it's still? still? There. It's still there. Damn. Yeah. He, he's trained in the arts. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I thought it was interesting. And then... They in the Vox article they go on to mention eBay's policy, which is <laughs> kind of funny. So he says that eBay isn't too keen on the whole concept of selling souls. Which <laughs> if you're selling you know, a ghost, it could be a soul. Yes, yeah, right. So they said that according to eBay's official statement, <laughs> quote, <laughs> eBay does not allow the auctioning of human souls for the following reasons. <laughs> <laughs> if the soul does not exist, eBay could not allow the auctioning of the soul because there would be nothing to sell. 
However, if the soul does exist, then, in accordance with eBay's policy on human parts and remains, we would not allow the auctioning of human souls. Oh, wow. Well, the thought of that was brilliant. That's a very brilliant <laughs> Yeah, idea. right? Well, isn't that a nice way to put it? And so, apparently, in 2012, eBay further banned metaf- metaphysical items, including spells, hexes, potions, and magical services. Mm. So... They found other workarounds, kind of saying, like, for entertainment purposes only, or sold as is. Mm. And that way, they've kind of found some workarounds for it. They kind of say, like, hmm. This is just It's not definitely, but it has this story, and we're telling you there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Which there are online, uh, for some of them. Now... Cece, you mentioned, why would someone want to buy a haunted object? That's my top question. I thought it would be stupid to buy a haunted object as well. (laughs) But then I watched this video on, (laughs) funny enough, MTV's YouTube channel (laughs) where where, uh, their host buys this guest and she buys, or buys this guest. I hope she's not buying a guest. She buys this haunted doll named Vicky and lives with it for a week. Well... And she wants to, because she's she's absolutely horrified of these things. So she buys it. She wants to see what happens. And the description says that Vicky likes to change the channels. But she's, like, pretty nice. Well, after a week goes, uh, goes on, nothing happens. And she brings on this guest named Jane Harris, who's a paranormal investigator, to kind of talk about the object. And their conversation doesn't really mention a whole lot about Vicky, like, they don't get down to whether there's actually a spirit tied to it, as was promised. But she did offer some interesting insight into why someone would buy one of these. Okay. And she says, for one, there's a lot of lonely people out there. So Mm. if you can buy a nice spirit to spend time with, like, because a lot of these dolls have specifics. They have personalities. Like, they like to watch the Disney Channel. They like to watch things with animals in it. And those are the things that make them happy. So it's kind of like you're caring for somebody, but you're not. It's kind of a Lars and the Real Girl situation, I think. Yeah, no. Uh, That's a great movie, people, if you haven't seen it. But so first off, yeah, the the people buying them might be lonely. And this is a way for someone that they can have someone to take care of and spend time with, which is a reasonable explanation. And it's also horrifying. Um, (laughs) Then I started thinking, well, a lot of people would probably buy these just to see if they could be proven wrong. If you can buy a haunted item and have that item prove to you that there's ghosts, that's pretty an entertaining. It's a pretty big learn. idea, right? Yeah. And also, there's clearly collectors of items like this, so there's a big market. But then she also brought up this interesting aspect I would never have thought of, which is the morality of selling things that have souls attached to them. Is it okay to sell something with a soul attached to it? I mean, it's kind of like human trafficking in that sense. Right? So that's kind of what she was saying. Is like She doesn't think it's actually right to be selling these things. And that actually it might be morally better to get a medium involved to help you put that object's soul to rest. Hmm. And she says the same thing goes for houses. She thinks it would be better to not be using these places and actually... Maybe try to put these these spirits to rest. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I would have never thought of that. No. So. 
Uh, Got a little insightful over here on Alex's corner for a change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing some some. We've been doing some switcheroos lately. Yeah. Yeah. Where Alex has been kind of like, hey. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> it seemed like you're doing a little bit of a dumb voice. I, <laughs> I wouldn't risk buying even a nice haunted object. No. Because you never know. No. What if they lied to you to get rid of it? And then also, somebody just saying that they've done a three-month investigation on an object doesn't really tell me whether or not it's real or not. Yeah, but they have a nicely written story, Cece. Well, I mean, yeah, a 15-page report is pretty nice. Mm. It's, it's called an essay? It's called an essay. <laughs> I wrote lots of those in college. Yeah, yeah. no. I, I mean, anytime money's involved, you know, uh, we've all said it, red flag. Yeah, red and flag. And all three of us have something involving money. So I'm skeptical. James's mm-hmm. painting is absolutely horrifying to look at. So yeah. if you haven't looked at it, remember to look at what's it called, James? Again? Oh man, just anything by Bill Stoneham. Anything by Bill Stoneham. But this one is uh, he resists the hands. Oh yeah. man, something like Let's that. Let me look at it. it. Let's not talk about it. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah, it, it does give me the heebie-jeebies. But look, the look hands it up. It's resist a, him. I was like trying the to hands resist him. Look it up yeah. if you if you're you know finally at work or whatever. Look it up. Feel creepy. Maybe do it during the daytime. Yeah, and then do it at night. Uh, message us about how creepy that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> text the picture to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, you guys, that that was our first haunted objects episode. I'm sure we'll do more of these in the future yeah, because yeah. there are a lot of haunted objects out there. You guys. Yeah. Bleh. Well, <laughs> Ooh, you know By what's weird way, to think about? What? A person is a haunted object. <sighs> James. <laughs> There's James getting deep like you were getting deep today. Well, <laughs> well, still not put him up on my pedestal. <laughs> this is Alex's episode to shine, you guys. Um. Oh, yeah. Well, we got we got a really nice. This is off topic, but we got a really nice little review on iTunes, which we always appreciate. If you guys like the podcast, definitely leave us a review and tell all your friends about the podcast so you can share the love. But we got a review recently that from somebody who said that they enjoyed me saying, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't really realize I said until we got that review. So that was. <laughs> That was and then nice I told Cece, uh, "Yeah, you do that all the time. Yeah, every episode, at least me. once. Yeah, my my mom even has done it several times, like not even realizing <laughs> it. So it catches on. It catches on. <laughs> well, you guys, is there anything you want to say before we draw from the vase? Uh, no, go get the vase. The vase is right here. I've gotten it already. Fish posh. Fish posh. Pick it out." Sorry, uh, of our British (laughs) All right, you guys. We are next week. We are going to be talking about abandoned places. Oh, we are returning to abandoned places. Oh man, I liked Fordlandia so much last time. I'm excited to do this again. Yeah, James. James, Mm -hmm. what are you going to talk about next week? I don't know yet. Spooky, (laughs) whatever it is. It's going to be spooky. So is mine, and so is Alex's. So. Mine wasn't really spooky last time. Mine was just really interesting. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. But you guys, tune in next week. We're going to be talking about abandoned places. 
Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to music. Miss. So until next time, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. We're going to clap in one, two, three, clap. Wow, he wasn't even ready. See, so you didn't even give him a chance. Well, I said we're going to clap. <laughs> yeah, you well, think that we're going to clap in one, two, three. I had one hand now. under my pillow. Yeah, there's no way anyone could have been ready. Okay, next time I'll say, are we ready to clap? And then I'll wait for 20 seconds while you guys get yourselves ready. <laughs> I'm right. And I'm done with these two.